It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So if you're seeing the video of this, you're going to see that I'm in the studio, uh, which is sort of an unusual thing in this season because I'm supposed to be doing this in the chapel. And the reason is, it's sort of fun, actually, too. The reason is, is uh, two of our team members here at Ellerslie are getting married uh, this uh, Saturday. And so the chapel has sort of been taken over. And so the next two uh, Daily Thunder episodes I'm doing will be here uh, in the, the studio. And uh, I like it in here, so it's not a negative thing. Uh, but you should have seen us trying to jimmy this together, get our keynotes uh, set up. So hopefully it flows smoothly on the technological side. But uh, I- I'm excited. This is a fun, unique message. I think you guys will find it very intriguing. Uh, we're going through a series called Spiritual Lessons from Abe Lincoln's America. This is part 10, and it's called The Art of Frontier Survival. If you notice that I'm going to be glancing down, it's because my computer is actually in front of me. Usually I would turn, you know, if you've been at Ellerslie, you've watched the videos, you'll see me turn to my left to consult the keynote. That's sort of how I do my notes. And some people have said, hey, how do you speak without notes? It's like, oh, I have notes. Uh, They're just up on the screen. So uh, this is unique. Uh, Back in the antebellum period, which is what we're covering in this, is not really a study on Abe Lincoln as much as a study on the times in which Abe Lincoln lived which in the preparations for his presidency, he was in a period called the antebellum period. And that's what history has recognized it as. Anta meaning uh, before, uh, bellum meaning uh, bellicose or fighting or battle. So it's before the battle or before the war, uh, before the Civil War is how we would understand it in American history. So something is going to happen in 1861 that is going to change the uh, shape of this country. And this country was hanging in the balance in that time. And it was the the test of if this constitutional republic could stand. And a lot of people were starting to bet against it because we were beginning to splinter. And what a unique time to become president of the United States, 1861. And of course, when he when President Lincoln was elected, that's going to spike and spark an entire breakdown of uh, the the United States of America. And it's going to split it in two. And you're going to have the beginnings of the Civil War. Welcome to office, Mr. Lincoln. So I want to introduce sort of the understanding of what Abe Lincoln is growing up in. You know, you have the urban areas of the country of the United States of America that are forming uh, more on the uh, the East Coast. And then you have this area of the country as uh, expansion is going west called the frontier. And the frontier was a rather difficult place to to live. And of course, many of us don't think of like Illinois as the frontier, but back in those days it was. It was this expansion west was taking place. And so it, Lincoln is going to grow up in Kentucky, Illinois. He is going to be in the midst of this frontier movement, and it is going to develop a very unique character in him. And what I want to do is I want to reach in and grab some of what was going on in that frontier culture and give us understanding of even what goes on in our spiritual lives. So I have uh, the, on, the, on the screen the term rough and tumble. 
Now, many of us use that term, uh, you know, talking about sort of a rough and tumble character, you know, sort of a gritty uh, guy. The term rough and tumble, where it comes from, it's actually a slang frontier term. So I, I have underneath it, it says a version of wrestling that is not for the faint of heart. That's an understatement. Uh, so I will uh, give you a definition of what rough and tumble meant. Uh, this is from David Reynolds in his book, Abe, uh, and it's a rough and tumble was in frontier slang, the equivalent of a gouging, an all out fight in which plucking out an eye was the goal. <laughs> OK, uh, this is what Abe Lincoln is going to grow up in the midst of uh, where there are bullies. And when you enter into a new territory, it is in a sense like you're establishing pecking order. You're trying to figure out who's alpha male. And so these bullies in the frontier zone would, in a sense, test your manhood and they would see what you're made of. And if you are not made of much, then you will come under their rulership in a sense they will tax you for all your days that you live there, sort of like pay your toll uh, to get across the bridge. And so Lincoln is going to grow up in this dynamic where he has to learn how to fight. Very specifically, he has to learn how to wrestle. Isn't that interesting that wrestling was the means of the day? It wasn't just sword fighting. It was wrestling. Welcome to antebellum America. If you're going to stand up, you better be prepared to defend your standing. You know, one of the, the words I'm always fascinated by in the English language <clears throat> is the word understanding. And because if you were to divide that word up under and standing, and then you were to flip the, uh, the order of it, it'd be standing and then under. What is under your standing? Is, is, it's interesting because we understand standing, but then you look at under. What is under your standing? And so when you have a strong understanding of the word of God, you actually have something strong for the day of battle. It's rock beneath your feet. So that when the winds and the rains beat against you, you're stable. You're able to withstand that. And antebellum America is based on a similar premise. If you're going to stand up, you better be prepared to defend your standing. So if you're going to represent something, if you're going to change the world in which you live, you better have something under your standing. And that's going to be very critical for Abe Lincoln, but it's also very critical for us because we live in a time where we're being tested. It's not the frontier, but it's similar. There are bullies that are attempting to cow us and they're trying to get us to be silent. You may have a differing view, but you will not speak it here. And so there's a cowing that is taking place in our culture. So if you are going to stand up, if you are going to try and influence the culture in which you live, you better have something under your standing. So on the screen, if you're seeing this via video, if you're if you're missing the video and you're only uh, receiving the podcast, you're missing a really cool picture. But uh, it's actually Abe Lincoln's dad. His name was Thomas Lincoln. And it's sort of one of those old fashioned uh, pictures. And it even has hand something handwritten on the bottom. It says Thomas Lincoln born uh, in 1779, died 18. 37, I think. Boy, I can't read, really read that. I don't know if that's my 51-year-old eyes or it's just hard to read. Uh, but Thomas Lincoln, I say under that, Mr. Nice Guy. Boy, was he a nice guy, who was also a really tough guy. So this is the guy that's going to train Abe Lincoln in how to live on the frontier. So I wanted to give you a little background on Thomas Lincoln because it'll help you understand Abe Lincoln, which will also help you understand how we ought to stand in the midst of a frontier society. 
Thomas Lincoln, despite his shortcomings, served as a guide to Abe through tumultuous frontier culture and highly uncertain economic conditions. Boy, even I haven't taught on it yet, and whether or not I get to it, I'm not uh, sure. But the economic conditions in this time were so unstable as well, uh, where literally the the land and the property rights were still being established. And so you could pay full full dollar amount for a piece of property and someone could say, well, that's actually overlapping mine. So that belongs to me now. And you could lose it. And, you know, the court of law just says, yeah, it's true. He had it first. So you just lose it, even though you spent all your money on it. And so the uncertain economic conditions are going to actually affect uh, Lincoln as well, where his dad's going to lose his property in Kentucky and they're going to have to move because of that, uh, what's called shingling. And so uh, this is Abe Lincoln's mentor. And so his father is going to impact his understanding of how to live in a time where there's bullies. So Dennis Hanks, who is a contemporary of Thomas Lincoln, I don't know much about Dennis Hanks, but I do have a quote from Dennis Hanks, who is talking about Thomas Lincoln. Listen to what he says. Thomas Lincoln was a muscular man, his equal I never saw. Well, that's quite a statement uh, from a man who lived in this time in the frontier to be able to actually say, oh, Thomas Lincoln. Yeah, there was never a guy quite like him. His muscularity, his ability to fight. Wow. This guy was something special. Uh, David Reynolds in his book, Abe, says this. One element of his guidance of Abe Lincoln was his physical sturdiness. It's speaking of Thomas Lincoln's physical sturdiness, a great boon on the frontier. At five feet, 10 inches, his weight varying from 175 to 195 pounds, Thomas was compact and brawny. With coarse black hair, gray-blue eyes, a strong nose, and a swarthy complexion, Thomas had a robust appearance born out of his extraordinary strength and his powers of endurance. Isn't that interesting? It's sort of like you want to know a little bit more about even Thomas Lincoln. What an interesting character. Out of who is going to grow this guy named Abe Lincoln, who is going to probably be one of the most impacting people in all of world history. So it's always fascinating to sort of look at a father and say what make, made up Abe is partly his father and his mother in a big way. Obviously, the culture, the times in which he lived are going to play a role. But obviously, where he's coming from in the home side of things is going to uh, be an impact point. So on the screen, I have a picture of Thomas Lincoln, and underneath it, it says Mr. Rough and Tumble. Now, I've already described what a rough and tumble is, and it's obviously not that attractive of a thought for us, the idea of getting into a wrestling match and gouging out someone's eye. But back then in the frontier, you had to establish your place. You had to know uh, how to wrestle. Isn't that a funny thing? Because in the spiritual life as Christians, we too need to know how to wrestle. Just an interesting thought that that's exactly what we are being commissioned to do, too. And we're in like a frontier territory. You see, the bullies are going to remove all liberty from you. They're going to remove your voice from you. You're not going to have an influence upon their zone, their territory, because you've already been cowed unless you know how to enter into the rough and tumble and deal with that enemy. And so this is one of Thomas Lincoln's specialties. So here's a quote, uh, an interesting one, from David Reynolds in his book, Abe. So known as, and this is speaking of Thomas Lincoln, a tremendous man in a rough and tumble fight, 
Thomas Lincoln once quickly thrashed a monstrous bully in Kentucky in a tussle from which Thomas emerged without a scratch. Now, this this fight in Kentucky seems to be a very significant thing in Thomas Lincoln's life and in his entire stay in Kentucky. And the guy was known as a monstrous bully. Thomas apparently proved himself the best man in his region without resorting to this gruesome maneuver of gouging out the eye of his opponent. In fact, A.H. Chapman, an Indiana neighbor who witnessed the momentous battle, reported that this is the only fight Thomas ever had. No one else ever tried his manhood in a personal combat. He was a remarkable, peaceful man. This statement points to what may have been one of Thomas's bequests to his son, a nature that inclined to peace rather than violence. Like his father, Abe was extraordinarily powerful and good at fighting, but also like Thomas, Abe was kindly and left no record of having maimed an opponent, as he apparently restricted himself to scientific fighting in which physical injury was not the aim. Isn't that an interesting statement? Scientific fighting instead of rough and tumble fighting. In other words, rough and tumble fighting is is basically, hey, the way I'm going to settle the score here, the way I'm going to make a statement to the culture in which I'm living is I'm going to pluck out this guy's eye. And if I do, it's going to create fear in everyone around me. However, Thomas Lincoln is going to establish the same credibility, but without maiming. He is going to win the wrestling match, but without the violence. And you're going to see Lincoln grow up with the same model where he is. It was never known to have, even though he entered in rough and tumbles a lot, he never once maimed his opponent. Fascinating statement. Scientific fighting. It's not a term we use today, uh, but I'm going to give a definition for it. It's real fighting. In other words, you're really wrestling. You're really exerting authority, power, strength, you know, technique. But the intent isn't to maim humans, but to silence the cultural bullies of the age. I really am fascinated by this, you know, of how they had to engage in wrestling to literally maintain a place and to have a position. If you're going to have any influence of the culture in which you live, you have to go through this fighting. You have to prove that you can stand your ground, that you are a man. And so scientific fighting is real fighting, but the intent isn't to maim humans, but to silence the cultural bullies of the age. Now, I'm going to contrast that with something, and that's spiritual fighting. You see, I'm going to give a definition of spiritual fighting here. It's real fighting. You see, a lot of people think it's imaginary fighting when we say we're in a spiritual war, we're in a spiritual battle. It's real fighting. But the intent isn't to maim humans. You see, our goal in fighting spiritually isn't to harm people, but to silence the spiritual powers of the age. Lincoln had to silence the cultural bullies of his age. We, as Christians, have to have the authority, have the position, have the equipment to actually silence the spiritual powers of our age. So Ephesians 6.12 talks about this exact thing. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle isn't, isn't against humans. It's not to maim humans but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you come from fighting stock? I just want you to think about how you are made and what you are designed to do in this generation. Some of us, we didn't come from fighting stock or we don't realize our fighting stock that we may come from. For instance, the church 
uh, of Jesus Christ throughout the ages is fighting stock. And that's what we are technically being grafted into. But most of us don't know that heritage. But what we mean by fighting isn't just coming up and bopping people in the nose or gouging out eyes. No, we fight a battle, but we do it very differently. It's interesting because Lincoln comes from fighting stock. I've already described his dad, uh, but I'm going to now introduce Nancy Lincoln, Abe's mother. So here's a picture on the screen. If you if you if you're getting this via audio, I'm sorry, uh, but a picture of Nancy Lincoln, and it's interesting when you see her because you can sort of see Abe Lincoln in her face. It's it's an interesting phenomenon uh, when you see it. Uh, I would say Abe Lincoln's not the most attractive guy. She's she's a beautiful woman. And so how I could say that you can see Abe Lincoln in her face makes you feel sort of like she can't be that good looking, but uh, she's a pretty lady. And uh, here's a quote about her. This is one of the most humorous, hilarious quotes I, I probably have in this whole series. She, speaking of Nancy, was also reputed to possess courage and physical strength, perhaps extraordinarily so. If there is validity in the comment by two of Lincoln's friends that she was, quote, one of the most athletic women in Kentucky in a fair wrestle, she could throw most of the men who ever put her powers to the test, including a law clerk who had frequently wrestled with her and she invariably laid him on his back. Wow. So in other words, what you see Lincoln coming from are two parents that are athletic and able to fight and able to wrestle. Isn't that interesting? What is our heritage as believers? See, many of us have come from a church system that is rather weak, flabby, and it doesn't know how to fight. And as a result, what do we inherit? We inherit sort of the sheepish uh, approach when it comes to the bullies in our life, and we get cowed very easily. Lincoln came from very strong stock, and as a result, he was an excellent wrestler, and that's what he's known as. He was actually a, a tremendous wrestler uh, in his day, and he silenced the cultural bullies that tried to stand against him, and he did it time and time and time again. Wrestle to establish that you're a stayer. And this is our key line. It's one of the leadership secrets of Lincoln, because it's not just that he's going to do this along the frontier. He's going to do this when he steps into office. Even he is going to wrestle because he is going to it, there's going to be a movement against him to silence him. And even the South is saying, hey, if you do this, then we're going to we're going to secede from the union. And he has to wrestle. He has to stand his ground and not be cowed by any of these threats. And that's what he's known for. He's known for wrestling his way through his presidency. So I, I have a quote. It's by Ralph Moody, and it's not a direct quote because I, I didn't exactly know where it was. But I just went through Ralph Moody's series. Uh, the first one's Little Britches. And I think there's eight books in the series. Loved them. And I highly recommend them. They're very, very good. The first book has a little cowboy language in it. So you have to be watchful if you're doing the audio book uh, and just having your kids sit around the fire uh, and listen to it. But uh, listen to this. This is a really fascinating quote, which I think helps us understand this. If a Mustang bucks you off and you don't get back on, that Mustang will always treat you with contempt. <laughs> that's exactly the way the bullies are. When the bully knocks you down and you don't get back up, then the bully will always treat you with contempt. That's how the frontier worked. That's how Mustangs work. It's sort of the wild side of life. That the wild side of life is looking to see what you're made of. 
and they're testing your quality. They're testing your metal. And do you have it or don't you? And if you do, they'll show respect to you. You'll have a voice. You'll have a position. You'll have your liberty. You'll have your freedom. But if you get cowed and you fall to pieces immediately, uh, that, that culture, that system, those bullies will hold you in contempt, just like a Mustang will. So what's your Mustang? What is it around you right now that's trying to toss you off? Because there's usually something that's trying to get you sheepish, that's trying to get you to give up, that's trying to get you quiet. Well, in our culture, there's a lot going on right now that is trying to get you quiet. But also there could be smaller things that can just sort of niggle and say, come on, hey, are you a man or not? Do you want to stand up or not? Of course, some of the ladies are like, am I a man or not? How am I supposed to answer that? So the statement is get back on the horse. Don't be cowed. Don't be silenced. Stand your ground. Spiritual resistance is what I would call getting back on the Mustang, because that's actually what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you just being defiant of things. I'm talking about you being defiant of spiritual powers that are seeking to cow you and to bring you under their thumb. No. This is Christ's body purchased by his shed blood. This is Christ's mind. It thinks Christ's thoughts. These are Christ's eyes. They look where Christ would look. These are Christ's hands. They do what Christ would do. These are Christ's feet. They walk and they go where Christ would go. This is Christ's heart. It feels the burdens of Christ. We do. We speak. We discern. We listen to that which Christ is wanting us to hear, see, speak, feel. This is the body of Christ. We cannot allow it to be enslaved. We must continue, even if it's thrown into prison, to not be cowed, but to continue to speak the glories of Jesus, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. We cannot be cowed. We must enter the rough and tumble match and throw the enemy to the ground. We must get back up on the Mustang. So James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's a statement of fact. You see, you get back up on the Mustang, the Mustang will respect you. Resist the devil. He will flee. It's a fact. It's the way things work. But the devil is going to test you just like the bullies. They're going to see. He's going to see what you're made of. Do you have the metal to stand? So when you dare to stand up, to move into his frontier territory, the wildlands, to take on spiritual powers, well, he's not going to just sit there kindly and say, oh, just take it. He's going to press against you. And you need to recognize that in Christ, you have something very, very powerful that is greater than he is. So when you stand up and resist, you enter the rough and tumble match, God guarantees you that you will come out the other side, but you have to be willing to enter into it with authority, with confidence. Say no. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Many of us give place to the devil. We open up our lives because of our cowardice, because of our softness, and we do give place. Now, that place can be given through a lot of things like unforgiveness, like holding a grudge. Bad attitudes can do it. Just turning our, our minds over to things that are of this world instead of things of heaven. There are various ways that we can give place, but one of them is to not stand up and to take that that rough and tumble match, but to actually allow the devil to begin to control us. No is the answer to that. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's almost the equivalent of put on the whole armor of God, enter into his strength so that you can walk into that rough and tumble match and throw him to the ground. So in Ephesians 6, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That word is Pele, but we do wrestle. What are we wrestling against? Spiritual powers. So 
wrestling. This is what it is defined as a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. See, it doesn't say pluck out the eye. That's the frontier. But this is a very real thing. The devil wants to prove that he has you, that his hand is upon your neck and you can't move. You cannot function the way God has called you to function anymore. However, you've been called to wrestle and to throw the enemy down so that he no longer has a voice in your life and in others' lives. You actually have a stronger position, but the devil doesn't want you to know it. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Again, that's what it means to fight, to truly uh, stand your ground in that rough and tumble match. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So let's go through the leadership secrets of Lincoln so far. Number one, draw loving lines, not hard lines. Number two, approach the nasty stuff like a Quaker. Number three, never, ever send the first draft. Number four, listen like everyone in the room is smarter than you. Number five, bust through the cultural blind spots. Number six, inspire a Clapham sect in your living room. Number seven, slavery is not supposed to be a permanent condition. Number eight, define your hills to die on so you know where not to perish. Number nine, become excellent on the water and not in it. And today's number 10, wrestle to establish that you're a stayer. You see, the devil wants to test your mettle. Are you a stayer? Are you here to stay? Or are you going to fall to pieces at the first test? This is what we're built for, church. Let's do it. Father, we ask that you would build us as stayers, that you would build us strong upon the rock, that when the winds and the rains or the bullies come around and try and throw us down, Lord, that we would prove that we have something very, very special in Jesus Christ. He gives us what we need to stand our ground. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.